Hello, my name is Haley Marcos, and welcome to my podcast, Triple Knot. Instead of sticking to my normal format of interviewing other collegiate runners, for this episode, I've decided to share my story in honor of National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Here's to continuing conversations that break stigmas and break silence in the running community. Let's do this. Okay, so story first. Last night, I went to the BU Last Chance Meet with some of my friends, and holy cow, wow, it was so incredible. Oh my gosh. Ah, okay. We saw so many national records, near national records, some of the best times ever run in history, and maybe my fangirling can be turned down a notch. I never want the enthusiasm to die, but... (laughs) I don't know, a couple notches down on the fangirling probably would not hurt. Um, I'm like, am I getting too old to freak out over professional runners as much as I do? I don't know. That's a dilemma and a conversation for a different time, but I've always been this way. Anyways, last week I put out an episode with Nicole Claremont where she talks about her journey with orthorexia, which I highly recommend listening to if you haven't already. Um, That might be a biased opinion, but... She's so wise and such a bright, intelligent young woman. And this week is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And about a year and a half ago, I was formally diagnosed with binge eating disorder and depression. But those, among other mental health challenges, are things that have been brewing in me for many years, many years beyond when they were first diagnosed. This is something that I rarely privately share in my life, let alone have ever publicly shared, but I just feel like the next steps of my journey forward um, towards healing are calling me this way. One of the hardest parts for me in speaking out about this is that binge eating, like all eating disorders, carries a lot of stigma and I'm quite frankly still embarrassed by it, but part of the struggle is that I've had so many misconceptions in my head of what qualified as an eating disorder, which ultimately prevented me from wanting to seek help because I just never thought that it was bad enough, um, which is so ridiculous now that I look back at my story. So eating disorders can but often do not stem from self-occupation with body image and body dysmorphia but are always much internally deeper and can have complex genetic, familial, environmental ties as well. Besides the personal healing that comes from sharing my story, one of the reasons I feel so compelled to tell this is that binge eating disorder is actually the most common eating disorder in the United States. And like all eating disorders, um, the experience is so individual, but it does not discriminate against who it affects. Anyone of any body weight, any body type can have binge eating disorder. You never know what's going on with someone. And there really is very little info and not many personal journals on runners who have who have had this eating disorder from what I've been exposed to. I did hear a podcast that Julia Hanlon did um, with Abby Cooper back in December, the Running on Own podcast. 
she mentions having binge eating disorder when she was recovering from anorexia. And a similar thing with Rachel Style, who wrote the book Running in Silence. She also speaks of having binge eating disorder when recovering from anorexia. But I'm still not sure if anything I've read really matches my story. So um, still, a, seriously, a huge shout out for those women um, and all the women that are in the running world right now speaking out about mental health um, and eating disorders. Seriously, they all inspire and empower me. Um, so yeah, let's jump into my story. So when I was in high school, I was wicked active. So active. I was training for cross country, training for my high school swim team, my club swim team, and competing in triathlons, sometimes all at the same time. I was a very studious person, but I really did not enjoy a lot of my time in school. And to cope with that, I mentally checked out a lot during class and would just spend most of the day thinking about training. Um, it, it seriously, like, oh, I, I just love running so much. And, and training has brought me so much joy, but also immense levels of stress. I was so hyper-focused on my goals and just setting myself up for burnout without even realizing it. I was, I thought I was immune to overtraining. And I remember like I, I always closely followed results and I would see people that I knew were successful in high school go off to college and, and not be doing so well. Um, and in my head, I'd be like, oh, you know, they, they must be injured or, oh, they're just not motivated anymore. And that would never happen to me. Like I was so naive and just didn't understand all the other factors of life that go into what makes you a successful runner on paper. And that's like another thing that I could get into is how we define success. Maybe I'll talk about that later. But part of the challenge too for me was that I had multiple coaches with multiple conflicting expectations and I never really established any clear lines of com communication between all of them. So in a way, I was on my own with figuring out what I was going to commit to training for. And I was definitely a people pleaser too. So I just had a hard time speaking up for myself and advocating for myself. And I didn't really have any real guidance towards what obtaining the long-term visions for myself in athletics would mean um, and what I actually wanted to get out of my time as an athlete. I just put so much pressure on myself and I had the type of attitude towards training that was just running me into the ground. During high school, I was competing nationally for triathlon and I was also, I also got to compete in a couple of international level races and I aspired to be a professional triathlete after college. Like seriously, that's what I wanted to do with my life or what I thought I wanted to do with, with my life when I graduated. And for me, achieving that meant working as hard as I could in the present without honoring the fact that hard work is also moderation, resting and recovering. So it's so insane when, when I think about it, but when I was really in the peak of triathlon training, there were days when I would run a few miles after school, go to swim practice for a few hours, come home, have dinner, then hop on my bike trainer while also listening to audiobooks to try to get some schoolwork done, do all my homework, 
and then try to go to bed. Like so much, that was so much activity in one day and I, I really didn't see it as that. So naturally I was hungry all the time, even though I felt like I was eating all the time and food was like always on my mind, not in a, how can I control it sort of way, but in a what's for dinner? When's the next meal? What's for lunch? When can I eat? I'm really hungry. And I would go to bed feeling hungry. Sometimes I'd wake up hungry. Like I remember coming home from practices, especially Saturday morning workouts. And, you know, sometimes like breakfast was, was getting ready and I would start to dry heave or like feel so lightheaded and so hangry before I had, like I would, I would have a snack or something immediately after practice, but Clearly, that is just not healthy at all, Um, not setting me up for a solid future for myself. I was just demanding too much out of my body and not giving it enough back in return, which can work in the short term. And I did I did have a fair amount of success when I was in high school and I I did well in school. And I'm yeah, I guess I was fairly high achieving. I also feel like it's worth mentioning that during my senior year of high school, I remember I started to just become generally more conscious of my nutrition because, you know, that was what part of what I thought I needed to focus on to be the best athlete I could be, Um, which is true. Like nutrition is important, but I think not so much in high school, but definitely as I got into college, it started to get more obsessive and more controlling Um, and also for high schoolers, especially if you're not getting any direct advising and support on what nutritional changes mean for yourself. And it's just like something you take up out of your own curiosity in your free time. I, I feel like it's ultimately going to lead to misinformed decisions just by virtue of lack of individualized education. And then starting, I believe my sophomore year of high school, I had really bad insomnia, which lasted through most of my first year of college. And actually the semester has been resurfacing a little bit for me, which I need to get on that. But anyways, um, it was so bad that I went a few years without remembering what it was like to go to bed at night and then wake up in the morning without there being either multiple hours of me trying to fall asleep or me waking up at 3am and not getting back to sleep. It was really miserable. And I would get just before races, especially triathlons, I would get just a few hours of sleep the night before a race because I would be up all night crying or just freaking out over how I would perform. Like my race anxiety was really bad. Um, And it was something that I never addressed, which is a problem. And at home, I was just often really unhappy and an angry person, which I don't think people in my life would describe me as either of those things. But I had no self-care routine and it just, you know, all came out when I was home. And I, like, frankly, was got to many dark moments in, in high school and, and in college, too, when, when there, there were just many times when I, I felt like I didn't want to live anymore. And... Yeah, it, it that it makes me really sad to talk about. It's not not a way anyone wants to live their life. And I I stayed silent about it too. I I also sacrificed having a social life and friends nearly entirely. My my team were my friends at practice and other than that, 
there wasn't much in the way of friendships for me. And I would definitely prioritize my training um, and just was always so worried about grades, getting into college, everything. So even though there were no food rules or intentional restrictions in place during this time, I was overtrained and underfueled physically, but also underfueled emotionally and spiritually. So then during my first year of college, I was still dealing with insomnia and I had a lot of generalized anxiety around literally everything, but specifically improving my athletic performance um, while also feeling like I needed to prove myself um, while while acclimating to new team environments. Um, I'm an NCAA Division III athlete at Smith College, and my first year of college, I was on the cross-country swimming and track teams. I think I took a week off of training the whole school year, maybe, but I dropped swimming after my first year uh, just because I couldn't handle the pressure that I was putting on myself and... um, Yeah, as I said, I had just been setting myself up for burnout. And that first year, I I felt like I'd been, like I felt like I had to be training a certain number of hours a day in order to achieve my goals. And that those hours were completely arbitrarily decided by me based off of what I did in high school, just with the expectation that when I got to college, I should be training more to be getting faster and that, um... I needed to potentially double a lot of days to be present with the my team in the current season I was in while also getting ready on my own for the next season. I just had a lot of fear around losing all the fitness that I'd built up in either sport. Um, and I think about it now and I'm like, should, like, you know, should I have talked to my coaches more? They were both understanding people. I just was... I think I was afraid of my coaches in high school and then afraid of letting people down. So being on new team environments didn't help either part of that. I just hadn't built up systems of trust with people yet. But yeah, just like more guidance towards that is is something that I, I could have used and I could have asked for. And then let's see. Yeah, also the social aspects of college teams really challenged me. It sounds so ridiculous now again, but I I felt like I should be doing core or doing yoga or at home resting on my own instead of hanging around my team for hours after dinner or um, <laughs> just like having what has become the most fulfilling and grounding parts of who I am. I love you team. You are the best. But yeah, that was the the social life part of college. And I still think about it. And I'm like, social life, like, what am I saying? Like, I don't know. Some I don't know what my definition of social life is. But anyways, just like having those really genuine, deep connections and relationships with people was not something I had ever really made the time before in my life. And I could not imagine my life without it now. In terms of the food aspects of when I was adjusting to college, I just think in general, college dining halls are a vulnerable vulnerable place for all college students. You know, it's the first time that a lot of people are away from home and everything's different and, you know, food can be 
a source of anxiety, a source of control. Like, you know, if people have dietary restrictions, there's, it just, it's somewhat inevitable that people, that college students are going to be more conscious about their food choices in dining halls when they're around their friends all the time. So for me, the new and endless food choices were, were overwhelming. Um, and, but also like, act, like honestly, slightly liberating too, to have all those food options. Cause I had a fear of being hungry cause I felt like I was hungry all the time in high school. Um, and when I was hungry, I was hangry and I would definitely take that out on my parents. And then, you know, in college, there was no one, no, no one for me to take it out or <laughs> take it out on. Um, so I was afraid of being hungry and I definitely started overeating at a lot of meals and did gain a noticeable amount of weight that I remember suddenly becoming conscious of when we were trying on tech suits during the swim season. And then I was also just feeling, I started feeling more self-conscious of how much I was eating compared to other people. Um, but again, my body was just craving the underfueling and overtraining parts of my life from high school. And yeah, just like I was more conscious of of what I was eating compared to other people and how my body felt, especially when I was transitioning from the swim season to the track season. And, you know, I had been in a new lifting routine and my muscle mass was different. Just a lo- like a lot of things had been changing and the stress and the sleep def- deprivation were so real. Like, um, you know, some people would, I, I feel like my poor roommate, thank you for putting up with me. I love you. But anyways, I just remember, I think she mentioned to me once that some people would say, oh, like, you know, they release like the old academic lists, like who has over three, five GPA. And, and some people would say like, how does Haley do it with all three seasons? And she'd be like, well, <laughs> you know, I think, I think we just knew that I was do I was achieving without, I was achieving, but with a major toll on my physical and mental state. And there's one specific night that I remember when the binging started and we came home from a track meet in the spring. Uh, Again, this is my first year and I was so exhausted and had so much homework that night that I was trying to get done because, you know, God forbid you take any time off of doing your schoolwork. And I had some snacks in my room and before I even noticed, it was like everything was gone. And I just remember snapping back into my body and I was like, holy crap, what, like, what the heck, what, how much, how did I just eat all that? And like, it was confusing and made me feel so disgusting, but I sort of just brushed it off. And then, you know, the week continued as normal. And then the next week, next weekend after a meet, the same thing happened. Um, and it started to become almost a regular weekly occurrence when I went home for that summer, the binging wasn't a problem, but instead I was, I was really conscious and obsessive about food and was just still not happy in my life. Um, and then towards the end of that summer, I injured my knee and was out for a good chunk of August through September. Um, and not long after I came back to school for my sophomore year, the, the binging, um, began to pick pick up again and was really out of control come spring semester. And this 
reflected back in my running training and racing 100,000 gazillion percent. Like running wise, there was nothing consistent about what I've been able to do in college. Workouts were all over the place a lot of the time. I think like, you know, my first year I came in strong and had really solid workouts. But as the stress picked up, like I just crashed at the end of that season. My sophomore year and junior year, um, especially like workouts were all over the place. I would crash in the middle and then be able to come back, but like not really. Or I would be racing and I'd be fine for two miles. And then the last mile, I just like suddenly could not finish. Like everything would just go dark and my mental energy was was really drained and it really affected my self-confidence and self-belief. And Saturdays were just always the worst with the binging. And Sunday morning long runs would be the best, <laughs> the best in that they got me out of bed and immediately back into a routine of sorts, but then also the worst in that I would feel so sick from the night before and my mind would feel slow and disconnected. I think yeah, disconnected, I think, is just like a good word for how I felt a lot of the time. It, it took me a lot of mental energy to to really engage in things without um, like separating my, my mind and my body from one another. And then I would like I, on these Sunday long runs, I would usually only end up eating maybe one meal that day or sometimes would even end up binging again. And at the time, I wasn't aware of the binge rest restrict cycle and the fact that, you know, by by limiting my food intake after binging, I was really just feeding into the disorder and that I would um, and that by not and that I was just setting myself up for for more binging and um, ultimately getting immediately back into a quote normal meal routine for myself was a key in re my recovery. So I also lost my period for about a year and a half, which was also misinformed. I remember my primary care physician, who is a woman, um, she's a lovely person, but I remember her saying like, oh, it's just part of being an endurance athlete and and, you know, you're not underweight, so I'm not concerned. Um, but that's, yeah, very uh, just like a very misinformed way of looking at female endurance runners. And also, I think in my in my head put back in the idea that, oh, you know, I'm not I am healthy. I'm I'm fine. I, I don't need help. Like this isn't a problem. Um, and something that I find uh, really fascinating about binge eating disorder is that biologically it's it's a natural thing like historically when we're hunters hunter and gatherers you know you you didn't necessarily know when your next meal would be you were under a lot of stress from predators and binging was just a survival mechanism and that's exactly it. That I was literally just in survival mode and binging was a way for my body to get the energy it needed to handle the stress, to make up for the years of overtraining and lack of self-care that I had, had in my life. And it just served as a distraction and escape um, in, the, in the present moment, um, definitely not in the long term. Very, it was a very temporary fix, but 
uh, yeah, it was just like a form of dissociation from the world. And biologically too, it's, it's an addiction. It is linked to, to other addictive diseases or addictions that people have. And, you know, it's, it's something that you can't just quit, you know, you need food to live and, and other self-care mechanisms to thrive. So that's what, that's what the learning is in recovery. Speaking about it right now, really, like it really does pain me to think of how much I was struggling and just that I was not vocal and that I didn't ask for help, especially because I really do respect my coaches and trust them now. And and I think part of it was that I just thought that I didn't have a problem or I didn't have an eating disorder because I wasn't purging or I wasn't underweight. And um, otherwise, like during my sophomore year, I, I was fairly healthy. Like I didn't, after my knee injury, from the summer, I didn't have any injury problems. I also ran steeplechase that spring too, when it was probably the worst. And I literally did not know how to jump over a hurdle for the life of me. So, you know, it's it's a miracle that everything was fine. Well, not, okay, not fine, but not <laughs> not a more serious injury. Because um, I remember my first steeplechase race too, I did off of like a week of barely getting any sleep and I was so sleep deprived. I, I felt like my mind was just like not even there. Like I barely even remember racing. So anyways, it happened. Um, and it was, it was fun. I really liked doing steeplechase. Uh, it was, it was a nice, a nice change from, from cross country. And yeah, my, my body was just like not in a stable place either. Like it was, my weight was constantly changing. I think that part of the stigma too is that binging is a lack of self-control and a lack of discipline. And I always prided myself on my my determination and my hard work and it felt like a failure of will or something or like like I didn't care, or just like some weakness that I I felt like went against who I was and who people viewed me as being. But, you know, that's actually just a failure on culture. So um, <laughs> it's a serious mental illness. And it for sure does not discredit me as being a smart, hardworking person. It, it just it just makes me more human, if anything. Um, but that's yeah, that's a failure on a culture that's afraid of exposure when it comes to imperfections. So I often invalidated my need for help um, and what qualified me for needing help. But (laughs) something that I think is key is if you're in a place where you are Googling symptoms and trying to figure out what's wrong with you through Google, then you should seek some level of support and some level of help. Um, if If it's consuming your thoughts or interfering with your quality of life in any capacity, you deserve support, you deserve help. And then over the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I lived in Boulder, Colorado. I was doing um, an internship out there at the University of Colorado in Boulder in the um, Applied Biomechanics Lab. Shout out to those people. They were really awesome. And my attitude going in was that being in this new dream place would solve my dissatisfaction with life and cure me of the binge eating. Um, 
But that was just <laughs> just a naive idea that I had in my head. And Colorado was simultaneously the best and worst time of my life. Like it was I I had read the book Running with the Buffaloes uh, when I was younger. And ever since that, I had dreamed of going on some of those runs. And I, I got to have that happen when I was in Colorado. And it was just like such a magical experience. Um, it was also the first time that I was truly away from home and living on my own. I did not know anyone out there, uh, which also came with purchasing and, and preparing my own food. And there I, I was chasing after my big running goals. I wanted to qualify for um, I wanted to qualify for Division Three nationals, and I was tr- taking my training very seriously, but was also being dragged into obsessive habits with overtraining and um, trying to eat as healthy as I could, um, the skewed version of healthy. And I felt like it was a redemption from the previous year, and so I was just packing my days with swimming and lifting and hiking and I was biking everywhere. I was also just trying to take advantage of everything because I I don't always know how to say no to things um, and just wanted to do everything and anything. Um, and I was not eating enough during the day. Parts of it were like a dream though. I was, I got to run up Flagstaff Mountain. Like, oh my God, that was one of the best runs of my life. I got to hike 14ers. It was just so beautiful. I loved the lifestyle out there, but also people in Boulder, like no offense if anyone here listening is from Boulder, but there definitely is just an obsessive athletic culture out there for sure. Um, you know, like you're, you're athletic, but you feel like you're almost not because everyone else, it's just like, it's easy to get wrapped up in the, in the obsession. Um, but then at night, And on the weekends, I would feel so alone and really sad and just exhausted and also really hungry, um, which just set me up for some really, really bad binges. And the whole time I wanted help and knew that I needed help, but I, I just didn't know what to do. And like, I was like, oh, well, I'm only out here for a couple months. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to try to seek help. Or like, I, I remember the gym I went to, I, saw flyers up about like nutritionists and um, some mental health care professionals they had there. I was like, oh, like, you know, maybe I should contact these people. And I think I did contact one person, but then it was like a four week long wait list. And I was like, at that point, I'm only going to be here for three weeks, like whatever. I'll just like try to stop on my own or, or just take care of it later. But yeah, like it's not, you know, someone might hear like binging. Oh, well just don't do it, just do something else. But yeah, again, like that's not how it works. That's how you learn to make it work. But in the time it's pure survival and there's really no control over it at first. So during that summer, we had to fill out all our athletic clearance forms as we always did. And there's a section with questions about weight, body image, food, and eating disorders. And that was like my first cry for help. I put off filling those forms until nearly the deadline. And then I put in a blurb about what I was dealing with. And then one of our athletic trainers contacted me. So when I got back on campus, it was a little slow moving at first, but 
I started talking to my athletic trainer and my coach about what was going on. And yeah, lots lots of tears were involved. Um, and I went to a therapist and she referred me to an eating disorder clinic um, that was in the town near my school. Uh, yeah, a town near my school. And I went to that three hour for three hour sessions, three times a week um, for an intensive outpatient program. And this was throughout the cross country season. So I'd miss practices on Wednesdays, but the coaches were really great about supporting me through it. And my assistant coaches would do runs with me in the morning sometimes. Um, and it was really nice, but I also just really missed being around the team, especially because Wednesdays we would, we would do like theme days and, and have like a certain dress up theme. And I'd see the photos from that afterwards and just be sad that I that I missed it. The program was just a really humbling experience for me as well because I remember going into it thinking like, oh, this will be the cure for me. Once I start going, I'll eat normally the rest of my life. Like, it's all going to be fine. And, you know, that's not what happened. It's a lot of hard work. And the program was hard for me in other ways that – I just don't feel like are productive in talking about right now and maybe still need to unpack in my own reflection time. But um, I was also just taking a full course load and then some, including classes like circuit theory. Uh, so yeah, um, but I did learn a lot of skills there and it gave me the chance to reflect on things in a new way and actually start taking um, my eating disorder or actually like come to terms with the fact that I had an eating disorder because I definitely was in denial about that and put more focus on recovering from it. And then towards the end of my junior cross country season, the foot pain started. Uh, so that was, that was a time that I could go into more, but anyways, started to progress got worse, barely made it through the season. But then the day after racing at regionals, which was a really awful race. Um, but I'm, I'm so proud of myself for making it through that race. Um, but after that race, I ended up getting an x-ray just, a, yeah, not, I never got an MRI, just an x-ray that revealed that I had a stress fracture in my third metatarsal. And so I was on crutches and in a boot. Honestly, maybe the worst part of that injury was that at first I was almost happy to have a stress fracture because I felt like I could finally just take a break. Um, yeah. And it's, it's like really sad for me to think about right now too, because I wonder, you know, if I got help sooner or if I took time off, you know, would I would I have accomplished the dreams that I had for myself or, or, you know, could like, could I have qualified for nationals? Like that was really what I wanted to do. And, and I wanted to be an all American and I, I, those goals are both challenging for sure, but I do truly believe that they were possible. You know, maybe that's not the point anymore for me. It's been, and still is a process and it's, it's taking, it's taking me time to come to a place of understanding and, and more than anything, I do have a whole new perspective on my life. Um, but I also still carry some guilt for not taking my treatment and recovery more seriously sooner. After that semester, that fall semester, my my junior year with my stress fracture and after being in the eating disorder treatment, 
I um, went to Ecuador in the Galapagos Islands, actually, the month of January, which was one of the best decisions of my life. It took all the focus off of run training. And then also I was on, I was living with a host family and I was doing um, a marine ecosystem program there. Um, So I was just like on everyone else's eating schedule. So I didn't have to make any food decisions for myself, which was like really nice. And I, I, uh, I, I sort of had a break from everything that had been bothering me in the fall. But then um, once I returned for, once I returned to school, I was able to carry over, carry over that momentum and take good care of myself for about half the semester. I also got my period back for the first time in like a year and a half and I've had it ever since. Um, But then like towards the end of the spring semester, some previous patterns began to pop up again to a lesser extent and a lesser frequency. um, And I was able to anticipate and recognize and then recover from, from certain triggers, but I was still having some foot pain too. And Um, I did end up back in a boot for a good portion of the summer after my junior year before my senior year. And then since then, my my knee injury also flared up again in my senior year. And just like a lot has changed about my body and um, in a positive way, but in in a way that it takes time to adjust to mentally and physically. And I just have not been able to run the same probably since that summer in Colorado. And I got through the cross country season. Barely. I got through it. I just tried to focus on supporting my team in the best way that I could. Um, but yeah, as I talk about it, I do, I do think of how sad, how sad it is for me to sort of have watched all my college running dreams that I had had for years slip away during this last cross country season. Now it's just about that, you know, my body's getting the downtime it needs and and I'm trying to allow myself to reset which is also hard being in my last semester of college too cuz I just I'm majoring in engineering and I'm just like not really happy with that so it's just like bringing up a lot of um hard emotions for me and I'm not on the team so that's very different it's also a deeply humbling experience, um, quote unquote, to be a non-athlete. And more than anything, I do have a whole new perspective on my life. And I really want to be a coach. Uh, At what level, I'm not sure, but I know that what I'm learning will help me reach more young female runners and just understand and anticipate some of the challenges that they're going to face in their running career and help them, help them through that and help, help prevent um, more, more females from having some of the same struggles that I had. And I do truly believe that I can still have so much running success ahead of me if that's what I choose to go after my, in my life while engaging in a process of self-love and self-care through it all, which will just make the journey all the more sweeter. Um, but for now, it's about slowing down, understanding my body, and reaching a place where I can take care of myself and allow myself to find that stability of mind, body, and spirit without feeling some of the judgment that comes from the fear of losing my fitness or strength and endurance. Like that's, that's not what's going to set me up for 
the long-term process of self-love that I need. Um, And this is very much still an ongoing process for me. I do plan on taking the next year off to travel and do some work exchange and just like evaluate parts of myself. And I feel like I've been in a constant state of reflection, but still don't fully understand myself on a deeper level. I, I definitely last semester too felt pressure mostly coming from a pressure coming from myself that you know racing required me to push through injury pain and also get my body physically back to a certain place um in order to race which it was just like not a healthy and productive way of thinking about it um and I knew would not be a healthy thing to force myself to to do, but I, I just like was having a really hard time escaping that thought process. So that's, I mean, you know, there's always, there's always more to a story. I could talk forever. Um, (laughs) but that's, you know, I think that's the, the bulk of, of my, my story with mental health and, and an eating disorder through college and high school. And I think I've hopefully clearly portrayed that it's a very personal experience. Everyone goes through different different things. And I'm just now thinking that I want to mention some societal factors that I believe might have exasperated my eating disorder or have come as barriers to me getting help. And this is just for myself because like I am so fortunate as a collegiate athlete to be surrounded by athletic trainers and a coaching staff that is going to help me access resources that I need and hold me accountable to taking care of myself. But so many people do not have a support system like that or do not have insurance. And those are just like huge barriers to even recognizing that you have a disorder to begin with. Um, So... For me, some of the societal factors, one one thing that comes up is that I've just had a general misconception of what going through puberty means. And I I just like a misinformed understanding of female body changes in general, thinking that like, you know, after your teen years, your body really doesn't change, which just isn't true. Um, So I think more education on the female body would be something that anyone could benefit from and would ease some of the transitional changes and just allow myself to go through that. Um, Also, I've been a very passionate follower of professional running and just like collegiate running for many years. Um, And you see, you know, you see these photos of pro runners or highly accomplished runners as they finish winning the NCAA championship or or whatnot, and and they suddenly become the, one of the faces of the sport, but you don't know the full story behind their success. And a lot of a lot of those people have struggled with eating disorders, and and fortunately, so many people are sharing their stories, which I just think is huge and is going to change a lot in the sport. But also, without even realizing it. I believe that myself and any other runner that sees these images just begins to internalize that as 
just starts to internalize that image of a certain body type as to what fast looks like and believing that that's like what what you need to look like as well whether or not it's intentional i just believe that 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 happens subconsciously and then also I spoke to this a little bit, but the definition of eating disorders, what they look like, who they affect, and what constitutes the need for help. There's still a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding out there. Um, And then finally, the definition that we culturally have of success and emphasis on success or having goals that just encompass a singular moment rather than a lifelong process. I think I was really naive when I was in high school and definitely thought that what I was doing was best for my long-term health, but I didn't have an image of what long-term health actually meant and looked like. So yeah, eating disorders need to be treated as a serious individualized mental illness, but I also think changing the conversation around those societal factors that I mentioned will help encourage a more body positive culture in the sport of running and provide young women with the tools to have a more informed relationship to their mind, body, and athletic abilities. So anyways, thank you so much to anyone who listened to this. It felt really good to record and I can't tell if I should listen back to it before I publish it or not because now I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I publishing? But I I really hope that what I said just speaks to the pressures that so many student athletes face. And I I yeah, I really do believe that there's a shift in female distance running and it's really exciting to me. And I love being a part of this sport. Um so I'll I'll put a link to just more. I, I did this for the last episode as well, but I'll see if I can find some more resources for education on eating disorders and athletes and, and also link some of the, the podcasts and books that I spoke about earlier. Um, and yeah, if you if this story spoke to you or you have questions or maybe there's something that I said that. I just always have a fear that when I speak about sensitive topics, I may unintentionally project my own insecurities or promote a disordered um, sentiment that I don't intrinsically agree with, which also makes it all the more important to openly explore and talk about. So please seek expert advice, and I would love to hear from you if you have any reflections, comments, corrections, etc., you can email me at triplenotpod at gmail.com. I am really looking forward to recording my next interview, hopefully this weekend with a friend of mine that I haven't seen in a while. And it's also marathon trials weekend, so get pumped for that. Um, good luck to everyone in Atlanta and to anyone out there that might be struggling with mental health or an eating disorder. You are not alone and you deserve to take care of yourself and you deserve to get help. Bye-bye for now.